Hello, welcome to the Business of Art and Design, where we have straightforward conversations with artists and designers who have used their arts degrees to pursue a career in the visual arts. I'm your host, Jody McCoy, Director of Exhibitions at Missouri State University. Today, we're recording with our Graduate Professional Practices class as they chat with Corwin Levi and explore artist residencies. All right. Uh, Corwin Levi is a mixed media artist, designer, illustrator, and attorney who investigates the limits of vision, experience, and memory by constructing maps of the unknown. He has had a solo shows, participated in group shows, and curated exhibitions across the country. Corwin has attended over 20 different artist residencies and also has created public art, including a 175-foot long mural in North Adams, Massachusetts, across from Mass Mocha. He's based in Harrisonville, uh, New Hampshire. Levi draws inspiration from his travels and has lived in 18 cities in 12 states. So that's why he is perfect to join our class tonight, professional practice, to talk about his experience with artist residency programs and also introduce us to his studio practice and work. So Corwin, thank you so much for joining us and I will hand it over to you. Great, thanks. Um, glad to be here. Um, I guess I'll just start. So I am, like all of you, an artist. Um, we're all also a lot of different things. As far as the job hats that I wear, as Professor Williams just said, I'm also an attorney, a graphic designer, a writer, a teacher, and in many instances, still a student. I'm here today to talk about artist residencies, but I'm going to try and frame that in the context of my own personal experience and history as an artist. Um, and uh, Again, at this point, I've done somewhere between 20 and 30 different residencies and one twice. And I'm just coming off a six month stint at the Wurlitzer Foundation in Taos, New Mexico. Cool. So where do we start? How about high school? Or as I call it, four years of drawing in the margins. Um, what my teachers didn't know was that these drawings and my notes, much like taking the notes themselves, actually helped me focus rather than just completely tuning out and letting my mind wander all over the place. So these, these are notes from various classes. And then everyone said, oh, you like art and you're not horrible at math. Why don't you study architecture? So I tried that, lasted almost a whole semester and then switched to majoring in studio art. So here are some moody undergrad self-portraits from those years, as well as another few pieces. And then, unsure of what to do after that, I did what many undergrads do and go to grad school to study painting. So at the end of my first year crit, halfway through my MFA, my professor said it would be totally okay if I never painted again. And I replied, all right, all right, how about drawing then? And they said, maybe, let's give it a try and see. So here are some drawings that I made in grad school and none of the paintings, because those have all long since vanished from the face of the earth. So after talking with my professors and fellow students, I just ended up showing my high school notes and the doodles in the margins from my MFA thesis show, which taught me that maybe I was not going to take a super traditional path as an artist, if there even is such a thing. All right, so let me stop this for a second. Okay, which brings us to the point of this talk, which is what comes after you're done with art school, whether undergrad, grad school, or whatever. 
You could be a professor, you could move to New York or LA and try to make it big. You could show in many of the other wonderful places around the country or planet, or you could do something wacky like me and go to law school. But another wonderful option is to attend artist residencies, which I did after a short career as an attorney that was remarkable only for its brevity. So, so you might know or might not know what an artist residency is. For non-artists, I call them artist fellowships instead of residencies, because otherwise you get into these weird conversations, like when you're stuck at a border crossing in Canada, telling a customs agent you're coming back from a residency, and he starts asking you how it's like to be a doctor, and then you just, it gets really ugly really fast. So here's a definition from the Alliance of Artist Communities. There are now more than 500 residency programs for artists in the U.S. and over 1,500 worldwide, supporting tens of thousands of artists and residents each year and incubating some of the most promising creative work today. While the field includes a wide variety of approaches and organizational models, these programs share a common purpose, to offer inspiration and support to artists at a time when outcomes are especially uncertain and when ideas are often most fragile. In the private moments of creative daring, when first the pen is put to paper or brushed to canvas or fingers to the keyboard. So basically, artist residencies just provide you a place away from your normal home or studio and offer dedicated time to do creative work and take creative risk. But beyond that, each residency, each creative community has a unique perspective. They support different disciplines, styles, offer different models of support in different environments and serve different numbers of people. Some are free, some pay you, some are very expensive, some have chefs that cook for you, and some, the nearest grocery store is an hour away. Some give you a house, some put you in a dorm, some expect you to donate a painting, some want you to work on a farm, others ask you to teach a class, it's really all over the place. The point is calling yourself an artist residency isn't like labeling your food organic or, or GMO free. There, anyone can call themselves an artist residency. Um, so you kind of have to, see what's what when you're looking at them. So back to what I did after grad school. I thought, hey, I've always wanted to spend some time in the Czech Republic. So I applied to an artist residency in the small town of Chesky Krumlov. I was lucky enough to get in. And then I hopped across the Atlantic to spend six weeks in wintry Bohemia. Although this one wasn't free, it was heavily subsidized. And I thought, oh, the worst that could happen because having no experience with the residencies was, oh, this is gonna be a really nice cheap vacation. So I showed up not knowing how to say anything in Czech other than I don't speak Czech, stumbled across the country to my residency, which was actually this really cool old house with a medieval foundation in which the painter Egon Schiele used to live. And I just settled in. I was the only artist residence. And so was so overwhelmed by the beauty of the surrounding area that I ended up actually spending just as much time wandering around taking these photos as I did making art. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I learned that artist residencies are at least as fruitful for ideas as they are for the actual making of the work. And a lot of people I've met say that they use res residencies to stimulate their artistic energies and then take those ideas home where they really put them into practice. That said, I did get a few artworks done at the residency as well. And I finished this particular painting for a show that I had coming up later that year. So after this, after traipsing around the Czech Republic for a bit, I flew back stateside to do a residency at the Malay Colony for the Arts in upstate New York. 
And Edna St. Vincent Millay was an American poet who received the Pulitzer Prize for Poetry in 1923, the third woman to win the award for poetry. She wrote some of the best sonnets of the 20th century and had a large property in Austerlitz, New York. After she died, her sister turned the estate into a place to nurture other artists and it became the Malay Colony for the Arts, an artist residency that accepts a mix of artists, writers, and composers, and six of them at once. So that raises the question of why do artist residencies exist? The oldest art artist residency in America, McDowell, right down the road here in New Hampshire, was founded in 1907 when a composer's wife, herself a pianist, set about fulfilling their wish of making a community on the property where artists could work in a beautiful setting with their peers. Another old residency, Yaddo, in upstate New York, was established by a wealthy couple as a place of rest and fulfillment for artists after their four children died tragically. And yes, that is totally haunted there. Some other artist residencies, like the Roswell Artist in Residence Program, are founded by businessmen who are also artists who just want to create a community around themselves. And the founder of that residency, Don Anderson, just died this year at 101 years old. And he was a lively, wonderful, amazing guy right to the end. Um, still others are basically, you figure, designed as tax breaks for rich people. You know, and that can be good because these places tend to have things like gyms, arcades, things that non-artists are doing on the property. But all of these residencies offer something very special to the right artist at the right time. So at Malay, I started a month-long residency with one visual artist, a composer, a fiction writer, a poet, and a screenwriter. Group residencies, I found, were totally different from the one-person experience I had in the Czech Republic. There, you know, having time to focus on my work wasn't an issue. It was just finding ways to keep myself out of my own head 24 hours a day. But at Malay, it was balancing work time, interacting with these wonderful human beings, and trying to ignore the one huge troublemaker in the group. And that's the thing about one person versus group residencies. In a one person residency, you more or less know what you're getting into. But at a group residency, you can have an amazing, engaging group that stays in contact for years after. Or you can meet a bunch of people who more or less can't stand each other, but you just kind of go with the flow. And I think that's actually one of the best things about residencies is getting to connect with all these different artists from across the planet who you might not otherwise meet. And it was here at Malay that I started treating each residency as its own universe. Um, so some folks come to finish or start a novel or to prep paintings for an upcoming show. But I sometimes like to treat a residency like as just this new experience with no particular project in mind. For example, at Malay, one of the things I encountered wandering through the forest there was this giant pile of gin bottles in the forest. And I was like, that's weird. So I went around and asked, and apparently Edna St. Vincent Malay would have these great parties where she would invite people from New York who would take the train up and they would stay the weekend and they would drink all this gin and then throw it into a big pile in the middle of the woods at night. And what had happened is all these decades later, these bottles had become little terrariums. So even though there was still snow on the ground when I was there, all these little leaves and universes were already starting to form in these gin terrariums. So 
After Malay, uh, which, you know, like many residencies involved, field trips around New England, some late night DJ offs, I headed down to Greensboro, North Carolina, where Elsewhere exists. Elsewhere is a pretty unique residency. There was a woman in Greensboro named Sylvia Gray who ran a sometimes thrift store, sometimes surplus store, and a three-story building just outside downtown. And at some point, although she continued accumulating items, she started refusing to sell them to people. So she remained open for business, but when people tried to check out, she'd just say, no, I'm not gonna sell that anymore. And after her death, her grandson, George Shear, took up her warehouse, which was you know just this giant building of hoarded stuff, and turned it into an artist residency and museum. And the idea here being that artists came to make work in the space out of the materials already existing and left it for future visitors and artists to interpret. My project there was there was this room full of ribbon, which she collected. And when I got there, the ribbon was all in a big pile in the middle and there was a possum living in it. So we relocated the possum to greener pastures. And then I sorted the ribbon into all these different piles based on its color and made a mural up the wall where you can see here with drawings of ribbon and knots in different formations. And then I invited people from around the community to fill in the holes in the mural with their own artwork and imagery. So let's see. Um, similarly, at another residency I attended, Art Farm Nebraska, the founder decided to take his property in rural Nebraska, invite artists to come stay. And they, you know, we help out rebuilding the properties there, farming the land, and we make art. And so I took a tower there. I treated old barn board, put the barn board on the side of the tower and painted a mural on top. So Art Farm and Elsewhere are two examples though of residencies where, oh, you kind of need to know what you're getting into before you go. You know, at one at the time, although this has since changed, you had to walk to the YMCA to shower, shared room, slept on the floor, and acknowledge daily the lack of heat or AC. And at the other, I pulled nails out of old barn boards, stayed in the top of a wobbly building that had been hauled across the country from California and found out that my room was definitely haunted, which is apparently a thing at residencies. So, you know, of course, both these spots advertise themselves accurately. The point is you just need to know why you're applying to an artist residency and understand what you're getting into. On the other end of the spectrum, in sunny Roswell, New Mexico, they give you a furnished house, studio, solo show, and a large monthly stipend. And at UCross, where I met Professor Williams, we all had our own rooms, beautiful studios, and some of the best food I've ever had in my life, prepared by a fantastic chef who had traveled around the world learning a range of cuisines. Um, and here's an excerpt from a video I made at UCross as I keep talking. So, Residencies are different links as well. The Roswell program is a year long and some of my more art worldy friends tell me they can't get away from their studios and galleries for that long. Others are just two weeks. And while I personally think two weeks is a little short to set up a studio, make art and pack it up. If you have a super focused project, you know maybe that works fine for you. In addition to knowing what you're getting into. It's a great idea to use a little common courtesy when you show up. Um, so there was once an artist who arrived and complained that her all cotton sheets didn't have a high enough thread count, which made the rest of us just scratch our heads a little bit. 
You know, a residency, you have to understand, is not the same thing as a vacation at a resort. It is first and foremost an opportunity to focus on making and pushing your work forward. Not that there's not some really nice residencies out there, because there are, but um, some residencies like printmaking, the printmaking residency, Pyramid Atlantic, just provides studios, and in that case, a technical assistant, not actually any living space. And this is a project that I did at that particular residency. With all this variety of residencies, why would you want to do one or do one and not another? There are so many wonderful reasons to do them and a few reasons that are maybe not quite as good. They're a great chance to get you out of your normal routine, jumpstart your creativity and see new sites for inspiration. So in addition to that, I, I think arguably one of the most important things about a residency is meeting other artists for conversation, creative thinking, and networking. And after school, assuming you don't move to Brooklyn or the cultural epicenter of your choice, it might be hard to find a community of artists to talk about artwork and making. Like right now, you can just wander down the hall or, or you know, call up a friend, text, share things. It gets harder. Residencies are a great way to meet other artists, share opportunities, share with each other, and sometimes collaborate. So here are a few pieces that I made in collaboration with an artist I met at a residency in New Mexico. And indeed, in one instance, I got along so well with all the artists at a residency that I later curated a show of all the residents' work in Seattle. And at that same residency, I also met an arts writer named Michelle Aldridge, who I made a book with. And she was a writer. I was an artist. We found that we worked pretty well together. So we're like, oh, what can we do? How can we, how can we make a project? And we started looking at old stories that were in the public domain so we could reuse them. And we started reading Grimm's fairy tales and decided the, the crazy number of fairy tales, there's, there's more than 200, provided a fantastic resource to invite contemporary artists to reimagine and remake the stories. So we started a Kickstarter, raised some money, and then had artists like Kiki Smith do Little Red Riding Hood, um, Walter Martin and Paloma Munoz did The Two Travelers. Tomokazu Matsuyama is here. Um, Rachel Perry, Stephanie Williams, and Julia Jaquette did Rapunzel. And it was fantastic working with all these artists, some of whom use existing work and some of whom made new pieces for the book. And as I was making this book, I also just started looking at old illustrations of Grimm's fairy tales and found that there were so many beautiful old pieces that I just remixed them. It's just kind of fun working with other people, in this case, both Michelle and so many other contemporary artists, and just seeing what happens. And I think that's one of the fantastic things about being an artist, doing residencies, just getting to engage in so many different ideas. Okay, but going back to residency land, there are also reasons to not do a residency. A residency is not quite the same thing as a vacation, and the staff, if they exist, are not like the front desk of a hotel there to just serve anything you need, though they do tend to be incredibly helpful and accommodating to reasonable requests. Residencies are not a great opportunity to inauthentically network with more successful artists. You know, and you know, it goes without saying, the art world is just a super small place. The world is a pretty small place. So just be nice and considerate to people. And then sometimes you'll get invited back to a residency when someone had to bail at the last minute and they just need to fill a slot, which is, which is really nice. So now that I've gone on for a while about 
residencies and projects and other things, I'm gonna take a moment to tell you how to find them. So a couple of years ago, Everest Pipkin shared this crazy spreadsheet with the world called the Big Artist Opportunities List. Go look at it, it's really good. It's just this amazing database of things that you can apply for. Other databases include the Alliance of Artist Communities, and especially for international residencies, ResArtis. Um, you can, of course, Google places too. Facebook is a great site to see opportunities pop up if you have a lot of artist friends and follow arts organizations pages. And of course, word of mouth too is also just fantastic. So when I first started, I kept a spreadsheet of my own, not unlike Everest, but definitely not as extensive. And part of that just reminds me about the business side of being an artist. You know, much of the work of being an artist turns out to be paperwork or networking or commissions or whatever path you choose. It's a little different for everyone. But that's part of, you know, just kind of being a grown up, I guess. And the office part is, you know, it's really helpful and it's just worth it at the end. But so how do you pick which residencies you want to apply to? Consider whether you want an urban or rural setting, community service and involvement, solitude or a group, whether you want a group that changes all at once, you know, or changes at different times throughout so people are always coming and going, um, whether a residency accepts partners or allows children and cats, whether it pays you or feeds you, how long it is, and whether you can be away from your dog the whole time. And, you know, also you got to look at what type of work the residency looks for. For example, if you apply to a National Park Service residency that is only ever, as long as it's existed, accepted landscape painters, and you, you apply with a piece of brutalist modern sculpture, it's not gonna go over very well for you. It is just what it is. And while jurors change at most residencies, you can still see their general feel and what a place is looking for by looking at the artists that they've accepted before. Um, so for example, I'm gonna talk about an artist residency in Waterville Valley, New Hampshire, where, where the illustrator H.A. Ray used to live, who wrote Curious George. And so I looked at this residency, which is a really nice, generous residency who accepts one person a year. And they've accepted a lot of illustrators and a lot of musicians and community people. And it's, it's very nice. But I also knew that H.A. Ray made this book about the stars, a new way to see them. So whereas before this guy came along, the constellation Gemini was basically drawn like this in books, but he says like, Gemini's twins, why don't we draw it like this instead? So now when you look up in the sky, instead of seeing this, you think of the twins. And I said, well, that's pretty cool. I have a project that deals with astronomy where I custom coded some planetarium software and fast forwarded the constellations hundreds of thousands of years in the future and back. But the idea of drawing constellations in new and interesting ways really resonated with this particular residency. And they said, that's great that you're kind of riffing on and residencing the guy we founded our residency after. And another tip is that summer is always the most competitive season for residencies because professors get summers off and they like residencies too. So there's just a lot more applicants. There's a nice guide that's a little dated, but still fantastic that a friend of mine wrote so you can have another perspective on artist residencies. So 
Michelle worked for 13 years at McDowell before making her own art and doing residencies herself. And this guide, this webpage, is called Guarlingo's Guide to Residencies Programs. And you can just Google it and it'll pop right up. But this has a lot of what I'm saying in a little bit of a different perspective in a really nice, readable, friendly format. And once you decide to apply somewhere, you'll need to assemble a packet, most often a virtual packet, though if you do find a residency you like that still requires a physical submission or a CD, you should definitely apply because they'll have like 25% as many applicants as everywhere else. So taking good images of your work is its own art and a whole other talk. And there, you know, there's a lot of things to know. But if if you have to just, you know, if you have to just get it done, you can just take your work outside on a cloudy day, snap a picture, and boom, that's good enough. And as far as the work you photograph, most folks will tell you it should be consistent in these applications. So for example, if a residency requires eight images and you submit three minimalist sculptures, two expressionistic paintings, and one cartoon, this is a little hard on the jury. But at the same time, if your work holds together conceptually, you know, a little variety isn't the worst thing. It's just, it's just unusual. And always, always start with your best piece. You know, don't save it for the end because jurors are reviewing so many of these things. And I've juried a few myself at this point. You just want to grab the juror as fast as you can. And a lot of these applications will involve writing, whether it's a bio, an artist statement, or a project proposal. And people have such varied opinions on the importance of writing about your own art. I mean, some residencies don't even look at the statements except as a tiebreaker, and others weigh them as much as 50% in terms of juring. So I guess what I'm saying is just definitely run your statement by some friends, have some people check it out. And please, please, for us jurors, don't ever use art speak. You know, you can sound smart and be also fun to read at the same time. You really can. So if you do decide to do a project proposal for a residency, don't worry if you get there and decide to do a totally different project, which is okay at like 99% plus of residencies. You, just, you know, the residency is for you. Now, say you assemble this perfect package and send it off. Great. You know, you just have to also understand rejections happen. It has nothing to do with the quality of your work. Um, and maybe apply to a mix of the most competitive and these competitive residencies to start with. And after you get enough rejections, you'll get acceptances, and then you won't really care about the rejections anymore. And I think you can also apply the same approach to jury shows and grants, actually. And you know, people be like, oh, wow, you've been to more than 20 artist residencies. I'm like, okay, but I also got rejected by 100. So I just apply to a lot, and that's, that's how I do it. So anyway, that's basically the residency landscape. And as I mentioned, I'm recently back from a residency at Taos where they just invited me as an alumni to fill a spot someone couldn't make it for. And that was the first residency I've done twice. Some people will do just do the same residencies over and over and over because they're so great and they enjoy them so much. And some people keep looking for new places to experience and explore and both approaches are fine. And here, my three months at the Taos residency turned into six because they canceled the summer session for COVID. And I was just like, okay, I'll just stay on. That's, that's fine with me. And it gave me the time to not only work on some remixed board game collages that I'd been doing, but also just do a lot of sightseeing. So I'm going to share a little. But that was fantastic, Corwin. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and experience and tips. Really, really great lecture. Thanks. So now I figure if anyone in the class has got some questions and you guys had formulated some really great ones, I had everyone kind of pre-think about this. 
um, <laughs> if you guys want to interact and, and pick Corn's brain, that is welcomed. So what's your best residency experience so far and why? Um, that's a great question. I think, you know, I've had many different best experiences. In Ucross, it was great because the food was fantastic. It was just <laughs> as simple as that. Um, you know, Chesky Krumlov was amazing because I was wandering around the Czech Republic. You know, as far as getting work done, Roswell was great because a whole year just to focus on your studio practice, that's hard to beat. Um, a lot of people, although I haven't done McDowell, which is down the road, a lot of people really love that one and they keep coming back um, because a lot of the artists there are based in New York and it's right up the road. So they can just take a break from life and do that. I mean, there's, there's just all wonderful in different ways. Um, is there something in particular that you're looking for that I could maybe like point out a good residency? Not yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Corin, maybe you could talk about, and I know that's something that I always struggle with, and I'm a painter, as you know, but sometimes it is difficult for me to transition what I'm doing in my home studio, think about getting supplies, um, like how I get to the residency. Will I need to drive to take my supplies? Can I, like, pare it down so that I can work on specific things but still have enough uh, materials to work with when I do get to the residency. Can you talk about some of your experiences there or tips in that category? Sure. Sure. I mean, definitely if you can drive, that's the best because you just throw all your stuff in your car be like what you need, what you don't need. It doesn't matter. Um, if you're not driving, I, you know, you can usually ship a lot of stuff to the residency beforehand in boxes. Um, you know, when I've gone to a residency in rural Oregon and I wasn't taking my car, I emailed with all the other artists before I got there. So we coordinated. So the ones who were driving, we could go to the grocery store together and get picked up from the airport, stuff like that. But as far as, you know, having the stuff you need, I mean, for some artists, it's really particular, but at the same time, you know, it's 2020. And although Amazon seems kind of broken right now, before that happened, you just order what you need when you get there. Like I was with an artist who used an airbrush and she had to keep ordering new tips because they kept breaking. But you can, you can usually just kind of make it work when you're there. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's good. I always, I mean, it took me a few residencies to kind of figure out my own process because it takes a while to get settled in. And I really like what you said about considering the time two weeks I also agree is almost too short to do anything because it takes a while to get your bearing. Right. And I, I have such, you know, respect for painters because as a conceptual artist, I just kind of show up and do things. But as a painter, you, you know, you have all your stuff, your process, your studio. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And I really enjoyed hearing you outlining and speaking to like the way you've structured your life. And we've had those conversations too, because both artists, but very different, differently structured life. Um, but I, I really admire how you can always, um, you know, travel around going to residency after residency and still making everything work. So is there anything maybe you could um, speak to in terms of like how to fit residencies into your life, um, how you can live the lifestyle where you go to multiple residencies just throughout the year? Do you ever feel like you have lost like a home base? Because you seem to go on either long, long-term residencies or like one after another. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I feel like I totally don't have a home base. 
um, whether I lost it or never had it to start with <laughs> either way. But no, it's, it's totally true. Like, you know, I feel, I feel that if people find the right spot, which is their perfect community, maybe you don't need to do residencies or maybe you do a lot less of them. Um, for me, I'm, you know, I make money in addition to art as a web designer, so I can go anywhere with internet at any time. Um, and, you know, I have friends who are professors who summer, summer is a great time to do residencies. So, but at the same time, I can't, you know, there's all these fantastic residencies on islands in the middle of the ocean. I can't do that because mm-hmm. without an internet, my clients are just going to start, you know, yelling at me and I'll come back to hundreds of angry emails. So everybody is different and you just got to, but there is something for everyone. There is a way, you know, even if it is like a two week residency or a lot of residencies now have special programs for parents where you can bring your kids, you know, you can, you can make your work. There's something for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It is mind blowing how many residencies there are out there for sure. Right. So one of the things I wanted to ask um, was about the art that you create in these residencies. Usually how do you go about like either documenting it or keeping track of all your art? Are you, I just imagine after years of working like this, just so much of it builds up. Do you usually submit it to galleries? Do you sell it? Um, how do you manage that? Um, that's a great question too. And it's, it, again, it's different for so many artists, like an artist who was also at the Wurlitzer Foundation for six months. She's a painter. And as soon as she finished a painting, she just shipped it to her gallery and they sold it. You know, easy, done, no problem. Um, for me, yeah, I have an attic full of art from all these different places where it just kind of sits in storage. Um, so I have started over the years transitioning more to, to digital art and conceptual and video and project art because that's just ended up being easier for my lifestyle. And, you know, I do enjoy making those pieces. But sure, like someone who makes giant paintings, residence is going to be a hard situation. Yeah, I know I work in ceramics. And so the idea of like being able to go to like Archie Bray and have everything to make whatever I wanted and then what to do with it afterwards. Right, right. I mean, you know, that's, if you've made such wonderful stuff that you love after, after a long time, that's not a bad problem to have figuring out what to do with it. Um, and I'll, I'll also say, maybe, you know, maybe you don't Roswell also has fantastic, fantastic access to a ceramics facility. And you have a lot of people who have done both of those. And so I will suggest that one to you too. Thank you. Um, I was wondering, uh, like what length of time would you recommend for someone like still in graduate school or like just getting out of graduate school? First, I really like that cat. That's fantastic. Second, uh, I think a month long residency is, is a great way to start because, you know, a month long group residency specifically, because you kind of get a feel for it. Um, you know, you have enough time to, to dip your toe in, but it's not so long that you really have to leave your life behind. And there's so many that are a month long. So I would start with that and take it from there. So you kind of touched on this already, but um, going to all these different residencies and coming into contact with so many people, 
how do you navigate challenging personalities or showing up um, and maybe the people providing the residency have challenges? How do you negotiate, um, you know, networking in that situation when you have your own um, integrity to preserve? In my experience about residencies is even when there's difficult people, most of the people in this world are pretty generous and kind so that if you have a group of five people and one is obviously, you know, the rest of the people are like, okay, it's fine because it's just one person. So you have your peers. And again, you know, there's not a lot of residencies that I'm aware of that are like two or three people where it could get to be more of an issue. So it just kind of takes care of itself as long as you're a reasonable human being and don't escalate it horrendously, which can totally happen and has happened. So just don't do that. You mentioned um, internet access being a factor that might keep you from applying to residencies. Are there any other factors that would lead you to not being interested or applying for a residency? Yeah, and the internet's just because of the work I do if I need to do work at a residency. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, it's just some people don't want to be alone for like six weeks in a country where they don't speak the language, right? Like that's not for everyone. Um, some people don't want to be in the middle of a farm where they have to work every day at a farm. Some people don't want to be in New York because it's too many people. Um, so it's it's just like, why do you want to, you know, live anywhere or take a vacation somewhere or whatever. It's just whatever floats your own particular boat. I know that's vague. Sorry. I would, I'm personally cautious about residencies that charge an enormous amount of money. I do look like very carefully at those because while a lot of artist residencies are designed for artists, some you get the feeling that they're just kind of like a really fancy Airbnb and they're just labeling themselves a residency as a way to, you know, keep themselves afloat. So some that are expensive are great, but I definitely would take a second look at those. What are your next plans, Corwin? Do you have any other residencies on the horizon or is the, has the pandemic kind of closed things down for a while? I think I'm just going to take a little time here um, and take a moment. I was going to just take a road trip across Canada, ride the train from the east to the west and then drive up north. But I can't get across the border now. So, you know, yeah. one thing at a time. True. Do you have a studio set up where you are so that you can continue working? Yeah. Yeah. This is, I have this giant studio that I'm sitting in and if it wasn't such a mess, I would turn the computer around uh-huh. and you yeah. can see it, but this is not so right. good. Do you maintain it while you are at residencies for like six months or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I share it with another artist. So we split the rent and it's, you know, it's, it's better than a storage unit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's something I know that um, my class and I have been discussing and I know that they're interested in is, transitioning out of grad school, how to find a studio space and how to plan for that. So that's, if you have any tips, I know that's not really residency, but it's, it's something every artist deals with. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just, before I answer that, I will just say like some people who travel to residencies, especially if they live in, you know, Brooklyn or San Francisco or Oakland, they just Airbnb their place the whole time they're away right? So that way they're not having to pay the rent, but they can keep the apartment. 
as far as you know studios go um it's hard it's hard you know i here it's not hard because it's a small town of 800 people in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of former mill buildings but that's part of it you know you pick a place to live based on whether it has the things you need or not i mean craigslist is good still word of mouth in almost every reasonably sized city i've lived in there's a group of studios in not the best part of town for affordable prices and there's a bunch of artists in them and you just go and make some friends and something will work itself out good advice anything else you guys want to ask corwin thank you all so much thank you so much corwin it was a pleasure and best of luck in all your future endeavors Thanks for joining us. You can find Corwin Levi on Instagram at Corwin Levi and the Department of Art and Design at MSU Art Design. The Business of Art and Design is recorded at Missouri State University. Many thanks to Corwin Levi, Associate Professor Sarah Williams in the Fall 2020 Graduate Professional Practices class. Special shout out to our editor, Adam Chilcote and Shelby Lewis for designing our cover art. Thanks for listening.